the guy who may be the most important guy on our team is Leakey. When he's out there on the court, our team changes dramatically. And when he's on the court, our team is just completely different. So in practice, he played the one, the two, the three, and the four. And that's an unbelievable thing and did them all well. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. A little Roy Williams for you. Duke opened with a big win over number three Kansas last night at Madison Square Garden. Nice look at the big fella Vernon Carey Jr. The stretch forward Matthew Hurt bricked his opening shot but looked really good in the aftermath of that. We knew Trey Jones, the sophomore point guard, was going to be a glue guy and a leader and a defender and a distributor. He did all of that and more. Shout out to Cassius Stanley, the freshman wing player, who did not wilt at all in the spotlight of Madison Square Garden. He was a key player as the Devils beat the Jayhawks. If those freshmen come along nicely, and they, this is a totally different challenge than last year. I know many of you want in on the Cam Newton and NFL questions. Others, the College Football Playoff Committee, unveiled its first rankings of the 2019 season last night. The top four in order were Ohio State, LSU, Alabama, and Penn State. What does that mean for unbeaten Clemson? unbeaten Baylor, unbeaten Minnesota. Are they still going to be left out even if they end up 13-0 and win a Power 5 conference championship? I'll dive into those details. We'll welcome your questions. College basketball, Cam Newton, NFL, college football, and more. Chris Spatola on College Hoops later this hour. Rick Bennell on the NBA and Kemba Walker's homecoming in Charlotte tomorrow night. Greatest player in Hornets history, now a member of the Boston Celtics who are off to one of the best starts in the entire association. The Hornets actually are 4-3 and three under Coach James Borrego after some really bleak preseason predictions. The Roy Williams bit you just heard, that was from our show. He's a regular guest here on the David Glenn Show. He was talking about a returning player, Leaky Black. He's one of those Swiss Army Knife guys who's going to ask, be asked to be a very big contributor. Remember, now that some huge talents have moved on from Carolina. Duke over Kansas last night. State lost at home to Georgia Tech last night. Carolina hosts Notre Dame this evening. Wake visits Boston College and UVA visits Syracuse. There's an ACC network doubleheader here on night two of the college hoops regular season. Remember, just as Duke has to deal with its next generation, because Zion Williamson was a lottery pick and R.J. Barrett was a lottery pick, Zion's hurt. RJ's off to a great start with the New York Knicks. Cam Reddish was a lottery pick, remember. Um, Marquise Bolden also moved on. Cam Johnson's in the NBA from last year's Tar Heels lineup. Luke May has moved on. Kenny Williams was a senior. Kobe White was that one-and-done superstar freshman point guard. Nasir Little was also a one-and-done for Roy Williams. So, of course, he needs more from Leaky Black. Uh, Brandon Robinson, returning player, is actually going to miss tonight's game against Notre Dame with an ankle injury he suffered in the preseason. He'll be back, but he won't be there for, I think, a dangerous Notre Dame team tonight. The name that I would encourage everybody to watch, I mean, Carolina fans are looking at the evolution of Leaky Black. Carolina fans are looking at a freshman big man named Armando Baycott who's going to be asked to do a lot. I think ACC fans by now know what Garrison Brooks has to offer. Veteran, post player, he could throw up a double-double in points and rebounds. He's really come a long way since being an unheralded recruit, at least by Carolina standards, into a really productive player. And who knows, maybe he can continue his learning curve and become an all-ACC candidate at some point. The name worth watching is Cole Anthony. 
I try to reserve my excitement for incoming true freshmen for those who are different, who are special. Zion Williamson fit that description last year, and I don't think any of you would accuse us of overhyping Zion, given that he turned out to be an All-American player and an ACC Player of the Year, et cetera. That's not easy to do as a freshman, even in modern college basketball. Cole Anthony is not the supersized 285-pound flying helicopter, you know, dunks from when leaving the floor at the free throw line. Not that craziness, but he's a point guard of great pedigree. His dad, Greg Anthony, was a college star, now a star broadcaster in the basketball world. He is also one of those good enough to be an All-American as a freshman. As we come to your calls, Cam Newton, NFL, college football, college basketball, and more. The greatest freshman point guard seasons that I have ever seen, and this is only worth mentioning because last year, remember, if you thought we were hyping Zion too much and you did the follow-up on it as his season progressed, the number of freshmen who had better years than Zion Williamson had at Duke last year starts with Anthony Davis of Kentucky back in 2012. He was the national player of the year, and he was an NCAA champion, and he was the final four most outstanding player. Like, good luck surpassing that bar. That is the greatest freshman season in the history of college basketball. Anthony Davis, now, of course, of your L.A. Lakers. Carmelo Anthony is on that short list. Helped Jim Beheim to what remains Coach Beheim's only national championship. Carmelo Anthony was an All-American as a freshman, the Orange won the Big East regular season that year. They won the national championship. And Carmelo, again, he was a one-and-done prior to us hearing that phrase quite as often. This is 2003, Carmelo Anthony. Final four most outstanding player as the Orange, led by that freshman, won it all. Kevin Durant at Texas had a sensational freshman year. Also, of course, a phenomenal pro. Zion Williamson is somewhere in that top half a dozen greatest freshman seasons ever others on that list include a couple of point guards in my personal experience I was a young boy when Magic Johnson as a freshman led Michigan State to greatness he was that supersized point guard of course future Hall of Famer at that point Kenny Anderson when I first started covering the ACC was at Georgia Tech and Bobby Kremens just handed the kid from New York City the keys to the Corvette and said, do your thing, man. I didn't recruit you to just kind of have a learning curve. No, the, the car is yours. Go take us somewhere special. And Kenny Anderson in 1990 was an All-American, one of the greatest freshman point guard seasons I've ever seen. The most recent example, and it would be in my top three, and you all remember this guy because he played at prep school in our backyard, John Wall, 2010 Kentucky, was an All-American. Those are the three greatest freshman point guard seasons I have ever seen. Why would you even bother to bring it up on November 6th? Because a young man named Cole Anthony has a chance to be that kind of special. I don't mean he's a future Hall of Famer per se. I don't, I'm not trying to unduly burden the young man. He is a phenomenal talent. He is an intense competitor. He is not at all a prima donna. He loves to work hard. He loves to make the pass that leads to the dunk. He is not about making sure he gets all the publicity and the cameras and the microphones. He just wants to win. And Roy Williams, of course, demands that from any of his players, but especially freshmen in the Carolina system and in the Carolina family. 
the Magic Johnson year in 1978, the Kenny Anderson year in 1990 at Georgia Tech, the John Wall year in 2010 at Kentucky. That's where the all-time freshman point guard bar is set. Just like Zion had guys like Anthony Davis and Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant to chase. And man, wasn't it fun watching him chase them down. Stopped short of a national title, but they did a lot of other good things in Zion Williamson's one-and-done year in Durham. Cole Anthony is that kind of special. Where does it end? I don't know. But for the Tar Heels to get to where they want to go, Cole Anthony, even as a freshman, is going to have to be that kind of ACC Player of the Year candidate and All-American candidate. That's more common today for freshmen than it was for most of my three decades covering college sports. Uh, But that's where you set the bar as you get your first look at him tonight as UNC hosts Notre Dame in the Smith Center. Gary is in Wilmington, wants in on the NFL questions of the day. Rick is in Chapel Hill. Steve is in Apex. Others are calling from the mountains to the beaches and everywhere you'd want to live in between. Chris Spatola, more college hoops later this hour. Gary is next on the David Glenn Show. Go right ahead. Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, I called because of uh, Cam Newton. Yeah. I'll be honest. um, I can't take anything away from the winning record that uh, Allen has. But considering how tough Cam has been up until last year, considering that he was 6-1 into the Pittsburgh game when he got hit in the shoulder by T.J. Watt. Yeah. And, you know, and Pittsburgh was Pittsburgh. And they lost that game and lost a bunch more. And to be honest, I know a lot of people have said, well, he did the injury and that sort of thing. But the other thing, too, is let's be honest. You could see he was hurting. Everybody could see he was hurting. The team didn't think they had anybody behind him that could step up so that they could move him and have that guy play. Now I look at Allen. Allen's not doing what Cam's going to do at 100%. And I can understand your concern about that. But if you think Cam can be just the quarterback he was at the beginning of last year, I think you'd be crazy to let him go. No, you don't go, you're not going to pay him $35 million, $40 million a year. But no, I'm with you on next year. I'm, I don't doubt that Cam Newton has more tread left on the tire. I would, if Cam came to me and said, unless we work out a four- or five-year deal for me to stay, I'm not going to play for the Panthers anymore. If I'm David Tepper and that's what I hear from Cam Newton – I don't believe in Cam for the next five years, given the hits that he's taken, given two lost seasons. I'm with you all the way through 2020. If Cam says, I want to honor the contract that I signed for 20-plus million dollars, if I'm David Tepper, I say, let's make it happen. I'm going to listen to my doctors, of course. They have to believe that Cam's foot will get better, and most experts say that he will with this rest. But what if, Gary, Cam asked you for that long, lucrative extension? Are you, are you that do you have that much faith in Cam's longer-term future that you would hit your franchise's wagon to him beyond next year? 100% of Cam is an elite-level quarterback, a quarterback that was the top of the top when the top of the quarterbacks in the league yeah. are Hall of Famers, are MVPs themselves. So let's say you only get 80% of Cam. 80% of Cam is still way better than a whole lot of guys out there right now. And there's no reason to believe that he won't even be better than that. The fact of the matter is, uh, people talk about, well, the off-injured Cam Newton. He's been hit, he's been banged up, but he hasn't missed. And when he's played, he's been good, except yeah. for this one last stretch. Yeah, and the I last, think the last you two have years. a player that's your best player ever, that you penalize him that much, that you would turn your back on him, 
based on one straight. It'd be different if he had two straight. Yeah, it, well, it's two straight years that have been lost to injury. It's four surgeries. Again, I'm with you on the short term of Cam Newton, but one of the smartest lessons that I've ever learned in the business world as a business owner myself, don't pay people for what you've seen them do in the past. Pay them for what you believe they can do over the course of your contract. And the one-year Cam experiment, again, sign me up. I'm ready for it. I believe in Cam Newton enough. I've invested in Cam Newton enough, Jerry Richardson combined with David Tepper, that if he says he wants to stay with the Panthers and he's willing to play under that contract, sign me up. And let's see where we go from there. But if Cam says, I need a five-year deal for $100 million, or who knows, maybe ask for more than that. I can't. In a world where when you look at others like Cam, Michael Vick took a beating, right? And you only you don't have it's kind of like they study running backs. There's a lot of incredible research about how when running backs or starting pitchers, for example, once you get past certain numbers of innings for a certain number of years in a row, certain number of carries for running backs, certain number of years in a row. Like, it becomes science-like, the evidence. Like, you just are crazy to continue to expect similar things. With quarterbacks of Cam's style, I don't think you should assume he can be as good as he has been into his mid-30s. I just don't think the science backs that up, the analytics back that up. Again, it's not questioning Cam's competitive spirit. I don't question that. I've never been one that's bothered by his theatrics or his hair or his clothes or any of that stuff. But... After two missed, se- two lost seasons in a row and that many surgeries, and he'll be 31, and that's an old 31. Not all 31s are equal. He's taken far more hits than any quarterback in this league over the last decade. You pay people based on what you believe they can produce over the remaining term in the contract. And, man, you start forecasting three, four, and five years out on Cam Newton. That's where I stop believing. I hope him well. I wish him well. But I'm not hitching my wagon to that franchise, or my franchise to that wagon, rather, and I don't think David Tepper would be willing to go that long-term either. I, I, I really I think I share most of the confidence in Cam that the caller does. I just don't share that confidence in a way that I'm investing four and five years down the road. And, and again, we don't know what Cam and his representatives are going to say about the idea, okay, I'll just play out the final year next year at $21 million. I'd be, again, willing to sign up for that if – Ron Rivera is still there and on board. If Norv Turner's still there and on board, I was energized by what Norv did with Cam early last year. Cam's completion percentage went way up. Cam was taking fewer hits prior to the hit that got him injured and caused his season and the Panthers' season to swirl down the drain. I still think Cam could be that, but am I that confident that I'd sign him to a long, lucrative extension, man? I got to pay Christian McCaffrey now that he's coming up on his next contract fork in the road. I got to keep building a top 10 defense so that Luke Keekley still has a lot of help as the foundation of the franchise. If the Panthers make the playoffs after this 5-3 and three start, it will be primarily because they have a top 10 defense. It will be secondarily, well, I'll put it this way, Christian McCaffrey plus a top 10 defense with McCaffrey putting up those record-setting numbers for running back. Kyle Allen's on the list of reasons that they're 5-3 and three and in playoff contention, but he's behind Christian McCaffrey by a lot, and he's behind a top-10 defense by a lot. If he were that good, 
the Panthers would not be a bottom half of the NFL offense through eight games. 1-800-849-2761. And the two games with Cam starting aren't weighing down the numbers so much. The six games that Kyle Allen has started still leave the Panthers in that bottom half of the NFL. 1-800-849-2761. And I ask folks to think of the picture this way. It's a good way to frame it. Right now, who are the most dangerous teams in the NFL? Two of them have future Hall of Fame quarterbacks. And they're still producing. It's not their name that matters. It's not that they're going to end up in the Hall of Fame that matters. It's that they're still really good that matters. And, of course, I mean Tom Brady and the Patriots, favorite in the AFC. Drew Brees and the Saints may be the favorite in the NFC. Who else would you put on your list of the half a dozen or so best chances to win the Super Bowl? The Chiefs with last year's MVP Patrick Mahomes once he gets healthy again? The Ravens, the way Lamar Jackson is playing at quarterback right now. The Packers, 7-2 and two with that Aaron Rodgers guy at the controls. The Seahawks with Russell Wilson as the MVP leading candidate at midseason. Deshaun Watson, how far can he take the Texans with J.J. Watt injured? That's a lot of really good quarterbacks, folks. It's not a mirage that the seven or eight teams that I just mentioned as the best bets to make a run at a Super Bowl title have great quarterbacks. Who's the only team that would fit the description that doesn't have either a proven elite quarterback or a guy who's showing signs of becoming that? Probably San Francisco. The, the Niners are still undefeated mainly because of their defense. I don't know where Jimmy Garoppolo is going to end up as an NFL starting quarterback. He's certainly not bad. Will he become one of the better ones in the league? I don't know. But every other contender, every other contender either has a guy who's flat out been there, done that, and is still showing signs that he can do it. Brady, Breeze, Russell Wilson, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, or it's a guy who appears to be on his way up that ladder like a Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. There's one, one example of riding a defense to Super Bowl contention status, San Francisco. There's seven or eight examples where an elite quarterback is a fundamental part of the equation. You really believe Kyle Allen's going to evolve into somebody that looks like that? You either believe Cam can be that again, Kyle Allen's on his way to being that, or you're going to find a new quarterback for the future of the Carolina Panthers. That's the bottom line. 1-800-849-2761. Rick and Steve and others want in on the college football playoff committee rankings. They were unveiled last night for the first time in the 2019 season. Do the undefeated teams outside the committee's initial top four, 9-0 Clemson, 8-0 Baylor, 8-0 Minnesota, do they have to worry about being left out of this thing come early December when the big rankings come out and only four teams can squeeze into that bracket. What about 7-1 and one Wake Forest? What if they go to Death Valley and beat Clemson? Could the Deeks finish the 12, as the 12-1 and one ACC champions and work their way higher in this committee's rankings? Tigers at NC State Saturday night, of course. Dabo Sweeney, our guest yesterday. My thoughts on those college football headlines. More of yours on college basketball. Cam Newton, the NFL, college football, the Florida State vacancy, the Canes, the Hornets, the NBA, the NHL. They're all on our plate today. Rick Bennell on the NBA in 40 minutes. Chris Batola on college hoops in 15 minutes. Your phone calls on the other side. 1-800-849-2761. That's next on the David Glenn Show. 
Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina. We got to win now. Let's don't start looking at rebuilding. Let's don't talk about how bad we are. Let's don't talk about we're not better than anybody. Let's figure out how to win. And that's what we've done. And, and the Coastal, because it's been up in the air every year, why shouldn't we have a chance? Keep it dialed in to the David Glenn Show. to the David Glenn Show. We do have lines open for the first time in a long time. Chris Patola is on the way from ESPN on college basketball. Nice win for Duke over number three Kansas at Madison Square Garden. Disappointing loss for NC State at home to Georgia Tech. More on that shortly as I answer an email to dglenn at accsports.com. Wake visits Boston College tonight to continue the Danny Manning era. UNC hosts Notre Dame tonight. Y'all get your first look, most of you, at a potential freshman superstar point guard named Cole Anthony. You can jump in on the Cam Newton and NFL questions of the day. The College Football Committee unveiled its first rankings of the 2019 season last night. As we look forward to Rick Bennell on Kemba Walker's Charlotte Hornets homecoming. Now a member of the Boston Celtics who have one of the best records in the NBA so far. Kemba will be returning to Spectrum Center but wearing the visitor's uniform as we debate the future of Cam Newton, one of the greatest Panthers of all time. We know the new chapter of Kemba Walker, one of the greatest, if not the greatest Hornet of all time. He'll be representing the Celtics as I'm sure Hornets fans give him a great homecoming welcome tomorrow night at the Spectrum Center. 1-800-848 2761. Quickly, I'll answer the question I posed before the break, and then we'll come back to your calls, then Chris Spatola, then Rick Bennell. Do the undefeated teams outside the committee's initial top four? That was last night, if you didn't see it. 8-0 Florida, 8-0 Ohio State at number one, 8-0 LSU at number two, 8-0 Alabama, number three, 8-0 Penn State, number four. Why is the top four important? Well, in the modern format, there's only four spots in the bracket. So you better end up in the top four a month from now. Right now, it's more of a talking point. But remember, this is not just the media, not just the coaches poll. These are the same committee members who will eventually determine which four and only four teams get invited into the modern college football playoff. My short answer is no, you do not have to worry at all because dot, dot, dot. And there's a couple of things to polish that off. 9-0 Clemson, remember, has both the advantage of seeing the teams above it have to play each other. LSU and Alabama play each other this weekend. Ohio State and Penn State, the current one versus four, play each other later in November. So the two versus three, LSU is at Alabama this Saturday. The one versus four, we get sort of, kind of, but not exactly a November-style college football playoff. Now, the loser of those matchups is not automatically out. But I will guarantee you with a capital G, bold it, underline it, italicize it, if the Clemson Tigers keep winning, of course, you got to control what you can control. You got to go to state and beat the Wolfpack Saturday. As Dabo said on our show yesterday, the Tigers have not always been great in Raleigh. We'll see how that shakes out. You got to beat a really good Wake Forest team at Death Valley. You got to go to the ACC title game and beat whoever shows up from Coastal Chaos, right? You got to get to 13-0. and You got to be wearing that conference champion banner, which remember, according to the rules of the committee, does get weight. 
conference champion status matters. It's not the only thing that matters, but if you're the Clemson Tigers, you're 13-0, and you're the ACC champion, you're getting into the Final Four. That is a ranch, farm, and dog special. Similarly, even though Baylor and Minnesota, remember, also undefeated, are further down the ladder, Baylor's only ranked 12th, so their fans are like, well, how much better can you be than perfect 8-0? Minnesota fans are at number 17. Good news for Minnesota fans. That school just extended its coach, P.J. Fleck, well into the future. They increased his buyout. They increased his tenure or, or contract term. They increased his dollar value, of course. So if Florida State wanted P.J. Fleck, it just became a lot more expensive to try to lure him away from the Golden Gophers of Minnesota. But I digress. If you are Baylor or Minnesota, you can have the solace of knowing that no Power 5 undefeated conference champion has ever been left out. And keep in mind, if you're wondering, well, it, we're only Minnesota, we're only Baylor, we don't have the name recognition. Whatever you may think of conspiracy theories that favor the big brand names like Alabama and Clemson over the little brand names like Minnesota and Baylor, remember this. You don't have a lot of great wins yet. You're not being conspired against. You just don't have enough great wins. If you're 8-0 Baylor and you still have to face Oklahoma and Texas, and then if you win both of those, not easy, but if you did, you'd end up in the Big 12 title game. And if you you play another quality opponent there. If you go from 8-0 little old Baylor hasn't beaten anybody or enough anybody's to the Baylor that beats Oklahoma head-to-head, Texas head-to-head, and then wins in the Big 12 championship game against a quality opponent, you're not going to be viewed as the number 12 team in the polls. Similarly, 8-0 Minnesota is 17th because of the schedule it has played. We all know the best you can do against eight opponents is 8-0. We get that part. But you host Penn State this weekend. That's a lot of PowerPoints waiting to be grabbed. You visit the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's a lot of PowerPoints waiting to be grabbed. You host the Wisconsin Badgers. All three of those upcoming Minnesota opponents were in last night's college football playoff rankings. If somehow, someway, do I think either Baylor or Minnesota is going to run the table? No, I do not. But as you panic over number 12 or number 17, remember, your biggest wins are in the front of your vehicle. They're not in your rearview mirror. The committee can't digest what it hasn't seen yet. Don't panic over last night's ranking. Go ahead and win out and win your conference title. That would give Minnesota four, maybe it's four best wins if it somehow kept winning. It would give Baylor maybe it's three best wins if it keeps winning. That's what really matters in mid or early December and that's why you shouldn't really panic over whatever you saw last night. If Clemson, Baylor, or Minnesota really wins out and they're the 13-0 Power 5 Conference champion, they're going to get in. And that's what matters most. Remember the rules of thumb. No two-loss team has ever gotten in. So whatever you think of the best two-loss resumes out there, Florida was 10th in the committee rankings last night. Auburn was 11th. Both of them already have two losses. Wisconsin was 13th. Michigan was 14th. So four of the top 14 teams already have two losses. They're not getting the benefit of the doubt as two-loss resumes. Remember, whoever loses between LSU and Alabama is not going to tumble past those two-loss resumes. They're still going to be in the top 10 of the committee rankings in all likelihood. We'll see what happens when undefeated Penn State plays undefeated Minnesota. 
those are two of the highlights of the upcoming Saturday schedule. But there are a lot more of these heavyweights going head-to-head against these other heavyweights, and that's why early November is way too early to panic about such things. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Chris Spatola of ESPN called the NC State-Georgia Tech game last night. My quick two cents for Wolfpack fans, ask yourself this if you're in panic mode. I don't think you are, but just in case. You played without your best guard and without your best big man. You lost a close game to Georgia Tech at home last night. My question would be this. If Duke had to play Kansas last night without its best guard and without its best big man, would they have beaten the Jayhawks? Answer, no. No way, Jose. Would not have happened. Don't downplay the importance of losing maybe your two best players. Markel Johnson has an ankle issue. He's going to be back soon. That's your best guard. DJ Funderburk's dealing with his suspension issues. He's back at practice. He's expected to come back at some point soon. Any team in America that loses both its best guard and its best big man for a conference matchup, and Georgia Tech is not the pushover it has been in some years. Here's another way to ask it. If Georgia Tech, if Josh Pastner last night was trying to beat the Wolfpack in Raleigh without his star center, James Banks, and without his star guard, Michael DeVoe, would he have pulled off that win? Heck no. No way. Duke wouldn't have won under that circumstance. Georgia Tech wouldn't have won under that circumstance. NC State, of course, came up just short under that circumstance. It's not easy to win without your two best players. They came close, but those guys will be back, and that's far more important than an 82-81 overtime loss to the Yellow Jackets last night. Chris Patola of ESPN on more college basketball on the other side. Rick Pinnell on the NBA and the Hornets and Kemba Walker's homecoming with the Boston Celtics in Charlotte tomorrow night. That's in about 25 minutes. Your phone calls, too, at 1-800-849-2761 on the David Glenn Show. Mike Lupica, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Sports used to be called the toy department, and I said, look at the political scene, and, and, and tell me that's any more real or, or more serious than what we see when people say, oh, stick to sports. Well, who passed that law? You're listening to the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Rick Bennell, the Charlotte Observer on the NBA, and Kemba Walker's Hornets homecoming, now a member of the Boston Celtics. They'll be in town tomorrow night. Rick in 20 or so minutes. Chris Spatola joining us now, one of our favorites on college basketball from ESPN and from Sirius XM, also always from West Point, where he was an outstanding guard for Army. Chris had the call on Georgia Tech NC State last night. That turned out to be an overtime win for the Yellow Jackets over Kevin Keats and the Wolfpack. Chris, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? We got him? All right. Darren, give him a call back. Somehow we lost him sniper style in the middle of that introduction. 1-800-849-2761 is your ticket into the program. Rick Bennell on the NBA live in 20 minutes. Chris Spatola on college basketball. We will get back to your questions and comments on the college football playoff committee rankings. Cam Newton's future, now that we know it will not be this year in a Panthers uniform, we are debating his longer-term future as the Panthers try to build on their 5-3 and three start with that Kyle Allen guy. Chris, we know we described you having the call for Georgia Tech NC State. Uh, we also picture you endlessly into the wee hours of the morning, you know, watching games you couldn't see live because you had other duties. 
Uh, did you take away from Duke's win over Kansas or Kentucky's win over number one Michigan State? You know, either something that made you change your opinion of one of those top four teams for the better or maybe raised an alarm or a red flag for you among those same four. Yeah, it drastically changed my opinion of Duke for the better. I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Now, you know, look, Kansas had, uh, what, 28 turnovers. Um, I didn't, they, they have far more questions than I thought they would have. Uh, and yet they still only lost by two. But, um, you know, I've, I've seen Duke a little bit here in the early going, called one of their exhibitions. And I just, I, you know, they have been young here for the last few years, obviously. But, like, Zion Williamson and, and, and R.J. Barrett may have been freshmen by label, but they certainly didn't look it or play like it. I thought from what I had seen to Duke before last night, they had manifested as very young in terms of how they were playing. And, uh, and last night, that was not the case. They, they were the tougher team. They played harder. Uh, and it continues to astound me, David, how, you know, given the turnover that, that Coach K has every year with that team, they show up on this Champions Classic. I mean, last year they won that game by 34 points, scored 118, and then last night they beat a what I think is going to be uh, still a very good Kansas team uh, and, and, a, and a hell of a game in the Garden. So, I, you know, look, I think all, all four of those teams are going to end up very, very good. I had high opinions of, of really uh, Michigan State and Kansas. Um, was, was anxious to see what Kentucky looked like, uh, and then I was very impressed with how Duke looked. One more thing about the Blue Devils. Chris Spatola joining us on the David Glenn Show. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Spatola. Last year, I mean, as you said, Zion and RJ were not only two great players, they were all Americans. They were two of the best players in the country. Coach K singled out his sophomore point guard, Trey Jones, as kind of his leader and his glue and, and his all those other good things, and he played almost every minute. When you think about the rest of those guys who are playing with the sophomore Trey Jones – do you see any kind of, you know, superstar in the making among a Vernon Carey Jr. at center or a Matthew Hurt at stretch forward? Uh, Cassius Stanley had a really good game on the wing last night. Wendell Moore Jr. made his Duke debut as well. Nobody's putting Zion or RJ expectations on those guys, but it feels like one or more of them will have to come along in support of Trey Jones for Duke to be the kind of dangerous Duke team we've come to expect in March. Yeah, I mean, that's why I was dubious of the start. I mean, I, look, you, you knew their ceiling was high, um, but I, I, it was going to take time. And, look, there was a day and age where that was okay. Freshmen would go through their ups and downs, and you would be able to live through that because you had other guys who were playing more minutes. Um, and, again, to your question about who's a star, like, I, to me, they all have a chance to be stars and NBA players. It's just what do you consider the timetable? Yeah. And I mean, I don't see any of them necessarily. Be, look, they lost three top ten picks last year. I don't necessarily right now see any of those guys as top ten picks. Um, I, I think Matthew Hurt could probably progress to be their most versatile scorer and probably their best scorer. Um, I, I've been very impressed with Cassius Stanley. I didn't really know what to expect, David, when I you know heard about him. I don't really watch a whole lot of hype videos, so I, you know, I didn't really have a good idea of what he was going to look like. Uh, he's certainly physically capable of playing at this level, and I thought he showed some some great moments last night, especially late in that game. So, um, and then Carey obviously has really good size. He's got to get a right hand on him. But I mean, they're all going to be really good, and I think by the end of the year, the the team that Duke is is going to be vastly different than what we saw last night. Uh, but their ability 
you know, the thing they did last night is they mitigate some of their offensive issues. It, it was They got a long way to go on that end, but they mitigated some of those issues with how hard they played and then how much they got after Kansas defensively. We could say all we want. People could say all they want about, you know, how Kansas 28 turnover this, that. They're figuring themselves out, more holes than we – a lot of that was created by Duke's defense and how hard they played. And I thought there was a depth last night to Duke in terms of guys coming off their bench that we haven't really seen from a Duke, Duke team in the last few years. Duke 68, Kansas 66. Last night, Georgia Tech edged NC State in overtime in Raleigh. Carolina hosts Notre Dame tonight on the ACC Network. Wake visits Boston College tonight. UVA visits Syracuse. That one is also on the ACC Network. Chris Patola is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Moving on down 15-501, North Carolina's Tar Heels have, as part of their history, the reality that every national championship, Dean Smith or Roy Williams, uh, or even going back to Frank McGuire, has come with a veteran at point guard. And sure enough, the most hyped freshman in the entire ACC this year happens to be a point guard. Cole Anthony makes his regular season debut for the Tar Heels tonight. What do you know about Cole from however much high school or all-American type games you watch? Uh, and his expectations with the Tar Heels. And and when you look at the rest of that roster, isn't it fair to say that Cole Anthony will have have to do even more than a freshman point guard named Kobe White last year who had Luke May and Kenny Williams and Cam Johnson and Nasir Little as part of his supporting cast? Yeah, you know, it's amazing. Uh, And I've I've seen them practice. And I I was, uh, again, going in, I didn't really know what to think of Anthony. you know, it's amazing. It's a program, DG, where you go from Joel Berry and the experience at that position to now two freshman point guards. Um, you know, they're very different players, Kobe White and, and Anthony. Yeah. Like, Kobe White was wired to score, and there was, a, I think, an understudy process of trying to figure out how to play the point guard position. And some of Carolina's struggles early, not just as a team, but, but specific guys like Luke May and was trying to figure out how to play with Kobe White. Um, I think Cole Anthony ultimately is going to be a better player overall. Like, and I, I picked him to be my preseason player of the year in the ACC. I think his ceiling is that high. Um, he's dynamic. And, and I think there is, there is certainly going to be more on his shoulders to what you were just saying. Like they don't have nearly the supporting cast. Um, I think spacing will be a, a much bigger issue than it was last year. Cause they had, you know, obviously in Johnson and, and they had guys who could, who could knock down a perimeter shot that you had to, you had to at least uh, respect. So I, uh, I think he's going to have a really good year. I think they're going to have a really good year. But again, a, a lot like Duke, like their ceiling is tied to some of these younger players because we, you know, I've, I've sort of added this expression to my arsenal. If, look, if some of these veteran guys were good enough, they'd be in the NBA right yeah. now. So there's a reason they came back. And we saw that last night. Like we talked about Michigan State and Kansas's experience. Well, you know, it didn't really – didn't show us a whole lot. So, I, you know, at the end of the day, Duke and Carolina, I think, are one-two in this league in whatever order you want to put them because they have the most talent. Like, they have the highest feelings. And I think in Cole Anthony, they've got the best of all of these freshmen from both teams. You had Georgia Tech at NC State last night. Obviously, Wolfpack fans are disappointed to lose at home. 82-81 was the final in overtime. Are you of the mindset that if Kevin Keats had all of his players – 
Uh, he probably would have won last night, and maybe he has the makings of an, another NCAA tournament team because with that being so down to the wire, I just kept thinking to myself, man, Markel Johnson's their best guard and DJ Funderburk is their best big man, and one's battling an injury and the other's dealing with a suspension. Uh, any team missing two of their best players, if not their best two, is not going to be the same. What's your outlook for the Wolfpack after watching them up close last night? Yeah, they they win that game last night if those two guys play. I, it, not to take away from Georgia Tech, but but they got they're not going to be all that good this year. And and I I actually am very optimistic about NC State. I think in two weeks from now, you're going to see a vastly different team, a vastly better team. Um, and and I think you saw that late, like, you know, part of and we saw this last year with Braxton Beverly when he had to play when Johnson went down. Like his his numbers dipped, Beverly's and. You know, part of that is he's got to he's got to run the point. Last night he had to guard Alvarado, and and his shooting numbers are going to dip. He's just not that kind of an athlete to be able to do all of those various things. Um, so they were like late in that game, they were manufacturing guys who were going to try to possessions where they could put the ball in the basket. And C.J. Bryce had his moment, uh, but they just looked a little chaotic. And and I think Beverly's much more comfortable when he can roam and be a shooter and hunt his shot. Uh, I thought early in that game, David, they got off to a great start, and, and part of it was they were making threes, which is very intoxicating and can inflate uh, your offensive performance. Um, they struggled late against Georgia Tech's defense, and um, and again, look, I saw Thunderbrook. He, he's practicing with the team. I saw him yeah. in, in the shoot-around yesterday morning. Uh, he's about 20 pounds heavier in a good way. Uh, he's terrific, and he would have matched up with those two big kids from Georgia Tech last night. And then, obviously, Johnson in the pick and roll late in that game. It's it's a far different scenario. So, I, again, not to take away from Georgia Tech, but but if those two guys play, NC State wins that game. Chris Spatola on Twitter, at Chris underscore Spatola, former Army star guard, now with ESPN and also Sirius XM as a college basketball analyst, radio host, and we love to turn him into a radio guest as well. Thanks for the time. You know we'll be ringing your phone off the hook all season long. Great to have Hoops back, and great to have you back on the David Glenn Show. Anytime, my friend. Always fun. You got it. Rick Bennell on the NBA in about 12 minutes. Kemba Walker is the greatest player in Charlotte Hornets history, but he's now wearing a Boston Celtics uniform. How will Charlotte react to his visit to the Spectrum Center? And how about them Hornets? After some of the most miserable preseason prognostications for any NBA team, James Borrego has the Hornets out to a 4-3 and three start. And some youngsters, including Devontae Graham, Dwayne Bacon, first-round pick Miles Bridges from last year, first-round pick P.J. Washington from this year. Graham's leading the team in scoring on some nights off the bench as a guy that some thought wouldn't even make the NBA. The Hornets are better than expected. Tomorrow night's a big night with Kemba Walker's homecoming on tap. We'll talk with Rick Bennell to start our third hour. Your phone calls, too, on the David Glenn Show. He's the UVA head basketball coach, Tony Bennett. You always believed in us. I guess you were the wind beneath our wings. There you go. How's that? <laughs> Do we but, have uh, background music for right. that? That's right. That's Bette Midler. There we go. You are the wind Keep it right here on the David Glenn Show. Kemba Walker is now with the Boston Celtics after maybe being the greatest member of the Charlotte's, Charlotte Hornets in that franchise's history. Rick Bennell covers the NBA and the Hornets. The Lakers have the best record in that league. We'll talk Kemba, the NBA, the Hornets, and more with Rick next. 
I made a reference to Mike Krzyzewski of Duke and his GOAT status. And I kid you not, I got angry emails. If I really wanted to insult somebody, I would include some kind of sentence about being in the bleeping prairie chewing on grass. This is The David Glenn Show.